Good morning. What's up, church? Pastor Furman here. Hope everybody's doing well, that you've had a good time. I'm going to give a shout out to those that have helped us in the past couple of trunk retreats at O.L. Slane at the Children's Home. Uh, for those that gave donations and everything, we want to say thank you. We appreciate uh, your help. And we have another opportunity not only to donate but to serve this coming Saturday at the Children's Home of Lubbock. We'll be a part of their fall festival uh, with Love Thy Neighbor. They're going to be doing Build Your Own Pizzas. And so we need your help helping get the supplies needed to build the pizzas, uh, mainly the toppings. And so if you would like to help out with that, let us know. Or if you want to come out and serve, uh, we would love to have you just get in contact with us. Okay. So a lot of cool things in the works and are happening right now. And um, I'm excited for this next coming month in November. Because um, hopefully, Lord willing, we'll be having in-person services uh, to start to end the year, but also to start the next year and go on from there. Um, but I'll share those details as they become available. And I'm excited for today's message. Because one thing in life is guaranteed for all of us is that we're going to go through difficult times. Um, but today's message in particular uh, God speaks to us in a way that helps us endure when it's a long period of time, but also to find new hope whenever we've been waiting, right? So today's message is called Stand Up. Um, similar to the man in John 5, we could find ourselves long overdue for deliverance. But thankfully for us, just like the man, we have the privilege to meet with Jesus uh, and through this encounter, we can receive what is needed to stand up and walk. And so I pray that all of us, no matter our situations today, will get a word from God that would help us pick up our mats, stand up and walk despite what we've been going through and what we will go through in the future. So let me pray and then we'll jump into today's message. Uh, Father, I just thank you. Um, that no matter what stage of life that we're in, no matter what we may be going through, one thing is for certain, as you are still the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, that your promises still remain this true, that you will never abandon us, and, and in fact, that you are always there uh, providing your love and grace through every situation. And so, Lord, I just pray today, just as we read your word, as we spend time with you, that you would bring revelations to our minds and our heart. Um, so that way we can take what you teach us, apply it to our life, and see you work through our life in a way that not only builds up our faith, but it encourages and points others to you. So, Father, we just thank you for today. Uh, we leave it all at your feet right now and just ask that you would meet with us and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be in John chapter 5, reading verses 1 through 15. Um, and let's go ahead and jump right in. Starting at verse 1, it says, After Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holidays, holy days, inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, laid on the porches. And one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't serve, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. And Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry the sleeping mat. But he replied, 
The man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who says such a thing as that? They demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed them. So there's a, a lot going on within that context of the story. But just to give you some context of this pool, right, that he's talking about. The reason the people would go to this pool is because the angel of the Lord would come. And once he would stir up the water, be moving in it, the first person that would get into the pool would come out of it healed. They would be delivered no matter what they had going on. So it's no surprise why there's crowds of people coming to this place. Because if you knew that the solution to your problem was available and all you had to do was go there and put yourself in position to receive it, it's a no-brainer, right? We would all be there. Um, but what happens when it continues to drag on? What happens when what you've been praying for still hasn't been answered? What happens when what you're going through doesn't seem to have an end in sight? Well, I think there's a couple of things we could take away from this. And the first one is this, is that we lose hope with our problems when they become a way of life. Okay, let me say that again. I messed that all up. But we lose hope when our problems become a way of life. The dictionary defies hope has a feeling or a desire for a certain thing to happen. Okay. And those feelings and desires usually start off strong. We're like, man, I know God is going to work through this situation. He's going to deliver me. But then as time goes on and the time passes and it's day after day after week after month, it starts to wear you down. And if we're all honest, it starts to to bring us to a place of, man, is this ever going to happen? That little voice that the enemy tries to whisper of doubt into it starts to grow bigger. And then we could find ourselves in a position where we quit believing that a different outcome is even possible. And we see this with this man. In verse 1 through 5, it says, Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. And inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda. Almost messed up saying that all the time. With five covered portraits. Crowds of sick people, blamed, lame, or paralyzed, laid on the portraits. And one of the men lying there had been sick. For 38 years. Man, can you imagine going to something for 38 years? You go to this pool overflowing with hope that healing is about to come into your life. But then day after day, it doesn't happen. And it probably makes it worse is as you're sitting there and you're witnessing this. You see other people with the same condition or even worse situations being delivered, being healed. And I'm sure at first you're probably excited. You're like, man, God's going to do the same for me. You start off hopeful. But after a while, that little voice starts to creep. After a while, the enemy starts to play up while we're in the waiting. And we start to question if it will ever happen. It happens, right? We start to take a pill of, of bitterness and just hopelessness begins to set in. And eventually you just kind of accept it as a way of life. You're like, you know what? Maybe this is just it. This is how it's always going to be. It made me think of a time when I was younger. Uh, when I was little, I had these goals, right, that I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get some business degrees. I'm going to own some businesses. I'm going to do some amazing things with my life. But as I continue to grow older and I kind of looked at the conditions I was living in, I looked at my environment, what happened was it changed. 
I went from wishing I was going to become something and working towards that to having different goals. Because I looked at the people in my life, the men in my life, the things in my life, and I would thought, you know what? If I could just see 21, if I could not be hooked on drugs, if I could be not in prison for a long period of time, then I've probably done the most that I'm actually capable of. And I just accepted it as a way of life. I thought that was it. Anything besides that or more than that was always going to be a bonus. Man, sometimes it happens to us where we get stuck in negative circumstances for so long that we give up hope that things will ever change or be different. And instead of believing in God or having the faith to continue to endure, we start to embrace our situation as the final result. And what happens? We start to lose hope. It starts to mess up our faith. I'm, I'm sure that that's how this man felt because we see his response whenever Jesus tries talking to him. In verses 6 through 7, it says, When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets ahead of me. Man. It's crazy to think that Jesus already knew what was going on. He went and talked to him. And it should have been a no-brainer, his response. Should have been like, yes, Jesus, I want to get well. I want to be healed. But what did he tell him? Did you notice how the man was? His response, it just showed the state of discouragement and hopelessness that he was in. And after 38 years of having the same issues, man, it became a way of life. And especially when nobody was there to help him, the man said, I can't. I can't do that. There's always people ahead of me. It is impossible. See, sometimes we go through things so much without receiving help that when help finally arrives, it's hard for us to even acknowledge it. Right. That someone is trying to help us. All we see is what we lack and the state of our situation. And I want you to see how specific God works in your life, though, because we read that Jesus was in Jerusalem because it was a holy day. Now, if you when you read the Bible and you read through the Old Testament, what you come to discover is that all Jewish males had this requirement that whenever it was a holy day, there was festivities coming in. They were required to go to Jerusalem. So we see that Jesus is on there on purpose to begin with. okay? And then we read that Jesus uh, saw and knew about this man before he even spoke with him. What did it say? That he knew that he had been ill for a long time, that he was sick, right? You see, I want you to catch something. It doesn't matter how hopeless the situation seems or how trapped we feel in our limitations. God still ministers to us in our deepest needs. And in fact, he's already working in them way before we're even aware of them or even aware that he's present. We may lose hope when our problems become a way of life. And, and it happens. It's natural. So if you find yourself in that position, uh, man, I get it. It happens to the best of us, no matter how strong that we say we are in our faith. Man, when you're going through a season that drags on for a long time, it can wear you down and it can mess you up. But that's why it's so important where our focus and where we invest our time in. Because the more that we spend time focusing on what's negative, focusing on what's wrong, it's going to grow in our minds stronger than our faith and our focus on Jesus. And the best way to avoid that 
is to reflect on what God has already done in your situation. Uh, remembering, uh, man, the way that he's delivered and he's answered and he's been faithful. And by spending time in your word, the more that you read his word, you're reminding yourself of God's promise, his faithfulness. You're reminding yourself that he's working even when you don't realize it. And then you have to trust it, right? And that trust is going to help you uh, no matter how the days are, just be able to survive and endure the day. Because God is faithful to us. And when we place our life and hope in Him, we can endure all the way to deliverance. The second thing that we see here today is God's work occurs in cooperation with our will. Man, I'm messing up the words today, but God's work occurs in cooperation with our will. In verse 8 through 9, it says, Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk instantly. Okay, right then. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. I want you to see here that, man, this time, instead of asking the man another question, what did Jesus do? He answered his prayers for him. And did you notice how the man responded this time? He didn't say, man, I can't. I'm going to be real with you. If I was that man and Jesus told me, stand up, pick up your mat, walk, I would have been laying there like, yo, bro, I just told you I can't walk. I can't pick up my mat. I've been waiting for somebody to help me get into the pool. Like, I can't do this. But this man, right after this happened, he didn't question Jesus anymore, right? He embraced what Jesus said. Church, we have to learn to do the same. We may have limitations. We may have complications. But when we have Jesus... When we embrace what he says, trusting in who he is, when we believe that, instantly we can stand up again. Instantly we can pick up our mat. Instantly we can walk because through him, anything is possible. And we can't do it in our own power. We discovered that, right? But it does take our will to cooperate with God to get us through our limitations and problems. The other day I was at the park with my two daughters and uh, two of them and they're on the monkey bars right and they're telling me like man dad I really want to do the monkey bars and the first one gets up there and she's like oh my gosh I'm super scared and I'm just like yo you just have to trust and have faith and, and it's different when you're un under your own willpower nobody's holding you right and they're just kind of like freaking out but slowly she tries it and eventually she does it and she keeps practicing and eventually she makes it all the way to the end then my younger daughter tries it too but she's stuck and she's crying and she's frustrated. And I'm like, hey, all you have to do is take that first step. And she's struggling with it. But it reminded me of this passage because we go through the same thing where we allow our fears, our limitations to paralyze us from moving forward, embracing and trusting in God, embracing and trusting in Jesus. It becomes tougher. Uh, but man, what do we see here in this situation? God is saying that through Jesus, our toughest situations, our toughest hardships are actually the soil that we get to see some of his greatest work in our life. But it takes us trusting in him and walking out in faith for it to come to pass. And it could easily become a way of life that we just accept that we keep ourselves stuck in uh, like this man with no hope in sight. We have to learn to acknowledge who Jesus is, trust who he is. And then we can see that 
through his presence, it gives us the solution to everything. And it's always available to us. But so is our fears and so is the enemy trying to prevent us from moving forward. And so we have to make a choice, man. Where are we going to use our will to? We have a free will to choose what we want to do. Are we going to choose to allow our fears to continue to paralyze us? Or are we going to choose to trust in who Jesus says he is and follow through with him? In verse 10 through 13, it says this. The Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry the sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who says such a thing as this? They demanded. And the man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. We see right here, man, it wasn't enough. Uh, if it wasn't enough for ourselves to be working against us, man, not only do we have the enemy, but the enemy will at times not only use other people, but he's even going to use believers to try to prevent us from being a part of God's work. You see, the Sabbath was intended to give people a break from the regular work, to spend a day resting, to spend a day of gratitude for God's faithfulness and honoring in Him. And the Jewish leaders had added so many unwritten rules to what God's original intent was that they didn't realize the negative impact they were having on people's faith and how they were having the opposite effect of what it was supposed to be, right? And I want you to, I say all this for you to hear my heart when I say this. Man, it's great to be connected to a body, to have a church, to have brothers and sisters in your corner that you do life with. But what I want you to see here is that no one's voice or opinion should ever be greater in your life than God's. Okay? When you don't have that in the correct order, it can keep you from receiving the very thing that you're in need of or been praying for because you allow people's voices to be more influential than Jesus, than God's voice, than the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure, man, this man knew that what day it was. I'm sure he knew what people would say if he did this. But he understood what God was doing was something that he shouldn't question. It was something for him to embrace, to believe, and to walk out in faith. And that if God is doing the talking and giving us the directions, man, we should be doing the listening and the obeying, right? So if we want God to work in our life, to move in our situation, to answer our prayers, he is willing to do so. But what he does ask is that we use our will to meet him where he's at and trust and follow him. So when uh, we do our part, man, God is always going to do his part. I say that all the time because it's so true, church. We get so hung up of wanting to put everything on God. And even though he's capable of it, he's saying, hey, man, I'm trying to stretch you. I'm trying to grow you. I'm trying to equip you. I'm trying to prepare you for things. But I need you to take this one little step and watch me work in a huge way. And the more you take these little steps, the greater you're going to see the impact of it later down the road. If you would just do this now. The third thing that we see here is what we do in the after is just as important as what we do in the moment, okay? What we do in the after is just as important as what we do in the moment. In verse 14, it says, But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. <laughs> if we're all honest, let's, let's be real. We live for the moment. We're just trying to reach the end goal. We're just trying to reach that, that place that we've been praying and we've been seeking, we've been hoping for. And we never think about what's going to happen afterwards, what we are called to do afterwards, right? Our focus is all on that moment. And the last thing that's on in our mind is the after. 
And man, when your need is on that and you get your needs met, you forget like, hold up, life doesn't stop there. There's still more to continue on. And Jesus reminds us, while that is significant, um, there's something we should be thankful for. It's something we should be uh, grateful for. It isn't the end, though, church. Okay, What we do in the after is just as important as what we do in the moment, as what we do in the middle, as what we do in the waiting. And he warns us, something worse could happen if we don't allow God to renew our minds, turning from our sins, and, and man, changing our actions, okay? So just like we could be in need of a spiritual healing, we have to make sure that we're receiving spiritual healing and that we're not neglecting that either. Because sin in our life, not only does it carry consequences, it could carry long-term consequences and effects. Uh, man, and if it's left unchecked, it could even be the root of the position that we're in today or find ourselves in later down the road. So growing through what you go through is meant to mature us in that moment, but it's also meant to equip us for what the future is ahead. Okay. In verse 15, it says, then the men went and told the Jewish leaders, it was Jesus who had healed them. Mm. I love that. At first, the man didn't know who had spoken with them and delivered him, but he knew that, man, despite that, he was called to do obedience and not be ashamed of it. He knew if that man said, pick up his mat, like who is he to deny what just happened? It's clearly it had to be an act of God for him to trust and follow that. And then we learned after that he did discover it was Jesus. He didn't cower from it. He didn't deny it. Uh, he made sure that Jesus got the credit for it. And he already knew the Jewish leaders were upset. He could have been like, you know what? I, I got what I needed. I'm not going to let them know what happened. But nah, he didn't do that. Despite the risk that he knew it was going to be going back and talking to him about it, he still went and, and shared. And church, I, I say this because we have to make sure that we are giving God the glory, but we're also helping others experience what we have. And from the people, right? They're not always going to understand it because they didn't experience it. And they're going to say whatever they want, okay? But you can't deny what you experience, or, or nobody can ever take that from you of what you've overcome, okay? There's no way that you can unknown what you already become known to, okay? There's not a way uh, for you not to know God as a personal God after you've had a personal encounter and moment like this. And so I say that because. People may think you're crazy. People may not want to believe you, but it doesn't matter because we are still called to share our experiences, to give people Jesus and let them know, man, what we've gone through and make sure that we're giving God the glory for it, whether they believe us or not, whether they upset with us or not. Man, none of that matters. What matters is that people get to experience the same thing that we've had the benefit to. And so I share that because... Yo, I know how difficult that could be, but don't be ashamed of it, man. It should be something that we're excited and happy to share about. And it's something that, man, we wish somebody would have spoken to us while we were in our situations. Because, like I said, he ministers to us in our deepest needs. And it's often that we're going to find other people in their moment that God is going to want us to go and share and help them in theirs. Okay? So what we do in the after is just as important as what we do in the morning, in the moment. And our trials should grow us to be more like Jesus. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean we are Jesus. But it should help us shape that we were loving people like Jesus during what we're going through. And even after that we're continuing that. And we're, uh, man, being better versions of ourselves than we were before. 
And if we don't do that, if we don't apply what we're learning and sharing what God has done in our life, we can lead ourselves back to the places that we wanted out of or he paid ourselves in an even worse place. Okay, so my challenge for all of us, pick up your mat, church. It's time to pick up your mat and we can't allow our problems to become a way of life. Okay, God never abandons you. He never leaves your side. Remember, He's at work even before you're aware of it or you can even see anything happen. And what you're going through is actually going to benefit you. It's going to be a blessing. It's something that uh, I read with a man this weekend. Uh, we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and it said all of this is for your benefit. Okay, if there's going to be purpose from it. People are going to get blessed through this. God's going to get more glory through this. It's actually going to help grow your faith and strengthen you. But I know when you're going through it, that's hard to imagine. It's hard to see it. But you have to trust who God is. You have to trust who Jesus is. You have to trust that he's working in your situation, even if it's taking a longer than you wish it would. Okay. And then we have to say, what else? Don't allow your limitations to be an excuse for your participation, right? God knows our limits. He knows what we can't do, but all he's asking is for us to choose him and to use our will to walk in faith and obedience with him. And when you choose Jesus, you are including God in your moments and allowing him to work through you. And what else do we talk about? The after is just as important as the moment and when we realize this, we can reflect on the things that God has taught us in those seasons, the lessons that we've learned, and we could use it for the journey ahead and also keep letting people know, man, how God is faithful and how he could help them in their situation, how God made a way. Because we get it, right? When we're going through things for a long period of time, it's frustrating. It's hard. And, and it could drag on. And we could be like, man, God, where are you? But he's still there. He's still present. He's still working. You have to realize that God's timing is per is is perfect. And oftentimes, the reason uh, behind it or beyond what we understand or what we could be made known to, but that doesn't mean that later down the road we can't see or understand why it was that it worked out that way. Often, it is what was the best way to make sure that we learn from those uh, from that lesson. We didn't miss it, and we didn't make sure that we didn't put ourselves in a worser. Uh, position later on. God has purpose for all these things, right? It's all for our benefit. So that's how we could pick up our mat and begin to walk even when we've been going through it for a long period of time. Church, I pray this blessed you. I pray that God spoke to you. Uh, but let me pray for you uh, because, man, God is still the God of the hills and valleys. So that means we're going to go through ups and downs. But no matter what, God is still good. God is still present. God is still for you. God is working in your life. And that is something, uh, man, that is beyond measure what we could ask or even believe at times. So let me pray. Father, I just thank you. Um, that there's no trial, there's no hardship, there's no difficulty um, that you can't help us overcome. And in fact, you're willing to join us and meet with us, Lord, that you're often already arranging things to have a greater purpose than we could even pray for in that moment that we're asking to get through it. And so, Father, I just pray that we would find ourselves in this, that we wouldn't allow our problems to become a way of life, just something that we accept, something that we can never see past. But we would shift our focus and our attention to you, and that we would use our will, our free will, to choose to do what you ask and to follow you through a difficult time. And Father, we would always see, Lord, man, that you are faithful. 
that you're a God that wouldn't abandon us and that what's important, not only what we do in the moment, but what we do afterward, that we wouldn't stop once we are delivered or once you answer our prayer, but we would take that, Father, we would pass it on and we would use it as uh, a fan to flame, uh, to fan our, 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 our faith and our flame that you ignite within us, Lord. And so, Father, just help us not miss the things that you're doing. Help us be able to pay attention because we know the enemy is always out there. And we know that oftentimes we're an enemy ourselves. And it's real easy, uh, man, to, to fall into the trap of of just staying stuck in those places and beating ourselves up and, and missing what you're doing, Father. But I pray that wouldn't be us. I pray we would be a people that could always see you working, that would always uh, be able to find gratefulness and thankfulness in our situation and always use it for fuel to help us keep pressing forward, walking hand in hand with you. So, Father, be with my brothers and sisters this week. Man, give them double portions of your strength, your endurance, your guidance, your discernment, your wisdom, and let them see that you are already at work and that man what you're doing in this moment is going to propel them and it's going to be fuel for what's to come so father we just thank you and we love you and pray this in jesus name amen all right church i love y'all god bless you man i pray this helps you that you have a great week uh, remember, if you're interested in helping us out, man, let us know. We also serve at the Children's Home. We love thy neighbor every Sunday to provide meals. So if you're interested in coming out on a Sunday and helping us uh, serve and provide a dinner out there, let us know. We would love for you to join us. But I love y'all. Have a great week. And I'll talk to y'all soon. Bye.